In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is October 18th, 2020, and Atlanta United fell to Toronto one to nothing on Sunday in Connecticut on a goal by uh, Pablo Piatti in the 89th minute on an assist by Richie Larea. Uh, game is notable for a couple of things. Uh, first, Atlanta United looked like it was going to move back above the playoff line in 10th place with a point from the draw until that goal in the 89th minute. Second, uh, it was the return of Ezekiel Barco, who'd missed the previous seven games, not even on the game day rosters in the previous seven games, but they still yet know, yet to be known injury. Uh, and it was also the first time that he and Marcelino Moreno played together. They came on as second-half subs. It was the first time since late August uh, that Atlanta United had two designated players on the field at the same time. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook and Atlanta United News Now. And as always, after just about every Atlanta United game, I am joined by Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net and 92.9 FM. Jason, this, uh, this was a tough, tough loss for Atlanta United. Though it didn't create hardly anything on offense, it still thought that it was going to get a very tough point against arguably the best team in Major League Soccer. Yeah, it's a frustrating night because coming in, if you had said, uh, I've been to the future and I saw that Toronto won 1-0, probably all of us would have said, oh, okay, I kind of get that. I could see that happening. Then when you saw the way the first half played out, it's this Toronto team looks really dead on their feet. Atlanta looks okay and you know they've got options on the bench that, that they're not used to having at the moment game changing options on the bench and it's like okay it feels like a game where you can roll the dice and maybe come up and get a result you're gonna win and then as the second half went on it's like okay i don't know if a win's in the cards but it feels like you're not gonna lose the point and then you get punched in the stomach at the very end uh, Larea wins the 1v1 battle with Bello, gets the cross in. It might have taken a deflection from Bello. It's a little unclear. It looked like the spin of the ball changed a little bit. It's a brilliant header from Piotti. And it, it feels like at least one point lost. And as tight as this playoff race is, it could come down to that point. Yep. Uh, so Atlanta United currently, just to recap uh, the standings, is in 11th place in the East. It trails Nashville uh, by two points, but Nashville has two games at hand. It trails Chicago by one point. Chicago has one game in hand. 
So neither of those things are great for Atlanta United. Uh, it leads uh, Inter Miami by one point and FC Cincinnati by three. Um, for Atlanta United to make the playoffs, it really is going to have to probably take, I would guess, seven points from its next four to give itself a chance. I think six might give them a chance. Seven gives them a much better chance. And it's kind of where we thought coming into tonight. But, again, as the night went on, you felt like, okay, that bonus point might come here. You have to win your home games. There's just no way around it. Those are your weakest opponents. You've got to beat D.C. and Cincinnati at home to have a chance. Has to. Uh, that Orlando midweek game between the two feels very tricky. Feels very difficult. You've got – this was game five out of a stretch in, what, 15, 16 days? And both teams were dealing with it, and Toronto dealt with it better. But you get at least a normal week here. But then you have that Orlando game sandwiched between your home games. That's the one that – Man, I don't know how you manage it because you look at it on paper. Your most likely points come from D.C. and Cincinnati. There's no question about that. If you had to choose, which one are you more likely to find a result against? It's Orlando over Columbus. I think Orlando's the the slightly weaker team, although not by much. But you've had a historic level of success in Orlando. So you'd feel like that's the one it's also going to be hard to get strong performances and 270 minutes out of your key players in those three games. It's going to be difficult. I don't know. That's why you wanted this point tonight, because that would have given you a little bit different strategy, I think, for for that match especially. Yeah, and kind of adding to the confusion slash challenge, Orlando City has already clinched a playoff spot, but it is still very much fighting to finish as high as second in the mm-hmm. East to, to try to keep some home field advantage into the playoffs. Conversely, at the bottom of the table, D.C. United surprise win. D.C. United is in 14th place, but it won tonight. It's 15 points. It's only four points behind Atlanta United and five points behind Chicago. If it wins next weekend – suddenly it's right back in the conversation as a team that could finish in 10th. As odd as that sounds, it's still very much possible for the original uh, black and red in Major League Soccer. So these games, none of these games are going to be easy. The Cincinnati game, Cincinnati is still in the playoff race. Um, It's more about, I guess, the lack of quality at the bottom of the East than at the top as to why there's still so many teams competing for what is now – uh, six playoff spots left, really probably only two playoff spots that are still going to be competed for. Yeah, it's it's a crazy year. I mean, nobody's playing well right now, probably outside of Toronto, to be perfectly honest. It, it feels like the consistency is impossible to find at the moment, um, which – you know, you look at the schedule, you look at the calendar that teams are dealing with, it, it's uh, it's expected. But who can make the most of it in these last four or five games for everybody? Chicago's got a game in hand. Uh, Nashville's got a game in hand. So Two games in hand. That's why it's two, two games, games in hand. hand. That's right. That's right. Um, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a big challenge. This was one that 
it wouldn't have, I mean, if you had found three points in it, we're having a completely different conversation right now. But if you had found the point that I feel like you deserve and you thought you had in your back pocket, you don't have anything sealed, but you at least feel better. Now you feel a little more desperate on Saturday against DC. Yeah, the the one of Atlanta United's issues is one that it's had all season, maybe even going back to divorce season. It just it didn't create any hardly any chances. It only created three scoring chances on the night. It for the third consecutive game only put one shot on goal. Uh, that was uh, Eric Cubo Torres with a header that was saved because the man just can't buy a goal right now. Uh, and hasn't been able to since he joined Atlanta United in late August. Uh, but that was it. It, it, it. Even Mo Adams said, we get to the 18, and it's just we got to figure it out. Brad Guzan said the same thing. It's, it's the whole team. It's got to have better touches, better passing, better ideas. And it seems improbable that it's suddenly going to happen, but not impossible simply because – as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you got to see Barco and Moreno on the field together for the first time tonight. The team's only two remaining healthy designated players were healthy enough to play. Uh, they came on as second half subs. They Barco created one chance, Moreno created none. Neither were participated in the play that led to Torres's uh, shot. So it's difficult to tell how they're going to impact the offense, but. I imagine it's got to be a confidence boost for the team to know, hey, we've got two of our bigger guns now uh, that can play. I guess the biggest question is, will they be able to play in these next four games? Because Marco has missed the previous seven. Moreno set out the midweek game, but then wasn't healthy enough to even start this, or was it, it was beaten, I guess, uh, to start this game. Um, I mean – for me, it's it's obvious to see how they help the attack. I think if you watch them together in the second half tonight, you, you see their quality. Can they build a relationship fast enough to create chances? Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest. With four games left, is yeah. there time against? Yeah, that's the thing that you don't know. I mean, two really really good opponents coming up in Orlando and Columbus. Mm-hmm. Columbus may have already clinched everything it needs to clinch by that season finale. So that one's kind of an outlier. We don't yet know how difficult that game's going to be. You've got to be better. You've got to be more decisive in the attack. Uh, that That is going to come down to Barco and Moreno because they are two of the most talented players that, that you have and that the league has, and they've got to perform like it here under pressure because you need them to show you something because, look, Kubo Torres is, is struggling to find the back of the net. Um, Adam John hasn't separated himself from the rest of the pack there either. The goals have dried up a bit for John Gallagher. Uh, Brooks Lynn and Jurgen Dahm are looking dangerous at times, but not, not enough times. That's the thing that's hard, and you could see it with Moreno, especially tonight. I mean, he's been on the field with these guys around him, what, maybe five times tops, period. I mean, I, I think he knows their names by now, but he doesn't know how they play, and you could see – when he tries to play fast, people don't read him well because they don't have the time with him yet. Right. He can't play as fast as he wants to because he doesn't 
feel the runs that the other players are going to make or where they're going to be, be positioned. So he has to get his head up and look, and that takes more time. It can't flow yet. And that's the hard thing is it's not going to flow in these four games as well as it can. It, it's just impossible. You're out of time. But how can you make yourself more dangerous in the final third than you have been? Because yeah. you're not going to find the points you need unless you start to scare opponents with your attack. And the talent alone will make other, make other teams respect you, but are they going to be scared of you? Right now, they're not. I mean, the offense, it looked – it got off to a bright, bright start tonight. Jurgen Dom by himself, won three corner kicks. Mm-hmm. The problem that uh, Jurgen ha- had tonight, in my opinion, was he – I couldn't tell. Was he waiting for somebody to pass to when he got into the penalty box, or was he just indecisive? Because we saw – I think it was two games ago, he got the ball in the penalty box and was clearly indecisive, didn't know – couldn't decide. It couldn't make his mind up. Do I want to try to beat this guy or do I want to pass the guy? At this point, if I'm Stephen Glass, I'm telling Jurgen: if you get the ball, just run it goal. Make the defender make a choice, foul you, or let it go out for a goal kick, or maybe win a corner kick. But just get a shot off. And tonight, it just seemed like he was hesitant to pull the trigger. It seemed like he was trying to put in a cross when the team needs goals at this point. It needs somebody to make something happen. You've got to get more numbers forward into the, the final third. That, that's the number well, one that, thing. That, that's the reason I'm saying just run yeah. a goal. Make the defender make, – make them try to stop you. And yeah, it's not quite that simple. Stopping yourself and letting on the cross. It's not that simple because you can get yourself into uh, – out of position to deal with the opponent's transition, and that's where your head is stuck. They, they've got to get more numbers forward to have more options because it can't just be – put your head down and, and run at goal and hope you can win the dribbling one V one against three players. Like there's gotta be some combination play. I'm referring specifically to the drama. time he only had one guy in front of him tonight. No, no, I'm not talking um, about that. I'm saying and, and it's still, I mean, one shot on goal each of the past three games, something has got to change. Um, yeah, getting numbers forward. That, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's too much solo. There's just not enough. Like he's looking for somebody to cross to. There's nobody to cross to. You've got to get more options. Emerson Hindman had played every minute through halftime. It showed. He struggled to influence the game going forward. You didn't get enough from him. Bellows played almost every minute in the last five games. Um, it showed. It showed, I think, at the end. Larea was fresh, beat him in the dribble. You're, you've got to find those numbers from somewhere. And if it's Moreno, if it's Barco coming inside more to find that space – they have to do that. You have to find whichever one it is you get more of a connection with to play off of. If it's Kubo Torres, if it's Adam John, if it's John Gallagher, you've got two, probably just two, full training sessions this week that you've got to figure out what gives you the best way to create chances down the stretch. Because you might really only have, before you get to the week ahead of decision day, you might have three training sessions left and you've got to get everything you can to give yourself something to scare the opposition in the final third, because it's, it's just not there yet. Well, to me, it's going to take mo- oh, the Dodgers just hit a home run um, right. to take a four, three lead in the bottom of the seventh. Um, 
to me, it's going to take moments of individual brilliance because the tactics you just, because of what you just said, the tactics cannot be put in and instituted with so many, with so few sessions left. So it goes back to my point about if I'm, if I'm Jurgen Dom, just try to make the defender stop you. Um, maybe you can win a penalty kick. Maybe not. Either way, it's going to be about the same as it has been, uh, if, if not. But that's how it's going right now for Atlanta United. They just can't seem to put all the pieces together at the same time. The defense, I thought, played mostly well. It gave up a really uh, good chance for uh, Pozuelo, bad defense by Atlanta United early tonight. But after that, I thought it played reasonably well. Uh, I thought Eric Rometty had a good game. Um, Miles Robinson had another strong game. But they just they can't get from the their third into the opponent's third. It, it's a weird, weird conundrum. I think you can't get into the final third. That, that's I'm not as worried about the defensive third and getting into the middle third. It's – it's being dangerous in the final third. I really think that's that's the missing piece. The rest of it has been good enough to get results. If you can't score goals, you can't get results. So who is going to be the player to lead this team into the playoffs if it makes the playoffs? You have to look at a player like Ezekiel Barco, but you've got to hope you can get enough minutes out of him. That's the challenge. Um, he's your most dangerous attacking player. There's no question about that to me. But can he get enough minutes of health on the field in these moments? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. There, there's no way to know that. So, you know, you're you're hoping. But he's the one to me that is the one. If this team makes the playoffs and you start to see some goals scored, I think Barco factors into the majority of them. Uh, well, as we both know, I don't rate Barco as highly as you do. I think it'll be Moreno. Um I think that he can be counted on to play. I don't think he can count on Varco simply because of his his history with Atlanta United um, and his injuries. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, other action uh, tonight ongoing as we record this podcast. Portland is leading LAFC uh, one to nothing. I'm curious about the criticism of, of why there hasn't been a whole lot of criticism of Bradley, I guess because of Vela's injury. Uh, LA Galaxy with Chicharito on the bench, 0-0 against Vancouver. And San Jose, 0-0 against Seattle. I, I was curious if Chicharito was going to be the player that most people thought he was going to be in Major League Soccer, looking at his stats and stuff. Uh, they just can't figure out how to play with him. And GBS is not the coach to, to figure it out. It doesn't appear at this point. No, I think the LA Galaxy are a far cry from what they used to be. It's not even just the manager it's not just Chicharito that that team hasn't had a proper defense since Bruce Arena left yeah yeah that is 100% correct and we've already said DC United beat Cincinnati uh, a goal by Brandon Vasquez uh, was not enough for Cincinnati and their goalkeeper may not want to go home again after his gigantic error uh, in that game uh, Red Bulls with a late, late goal to tie Orlando, doing what the Red Bulls seem to do. Columbus with a 3-1 to one easy win over NYCFC. The night before, Montreal with a 2-1 win against Miami. And Chicago and Sporting KC tied 2-2. Two to two. 
So that's why we are where we are right now. Big games of interest to Atlanta United coming up. Uh, Nashville hosting Dallas on October 20th. Nashville hosting New England on October 23rd. Montreal, excuse me, Montreal at NYCFC on October 24th. Red Bulls at Chicago on October 24th. Minnesota at Cincinnati on October 24th. Those are the games that Atlanta United has got to hope that it can get some good results going its way and get three points against a D.C. United team that, uh, who knows, it may still be experiencing the new manager bump uh, by the time it comes to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, D.C. is playing hard for their interim manager, Chad Ashton, who's been there almost as long as Ben Olsen was. Um, I think they're also playing out of guilt a little bit for letting Ben Olsen down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about a, a club legend, and I think that point's been driven home in the last week. It's a shame how it ended for Olsen because you don't have a lot of guys in this league that have been around as long uh, as Ben has. Um, I hope he does get the, the proper respect at some point. I don't think he off, too often enough had – enough talent to be better than they were. This year's an exception. They It never came together. It's a crazy year. You know, all that's true. The team never gelled. I think they're more talented than their results this year. But Ben Olsen's a guy who's been in this league almost every year it's existed, either as a player or as a manager. And just don't have a lot of those guys. So yeah. that D.C. team, that roster, should feel a little bit like they owe – been something they owe Chad Ashton something and they're going to come in to try to prove a point yeah I need to go back and look at my preseason predictions because I remember I could not figure out if I thought DC United was going to be good enough to make the playoffs I, I simply cannot remember where I pegged them um, I thought they'd be better than they are I, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember where I really had them placed it feels like three years ago yeah. um but they should be better than they are with the talent they have. I don't know how much better, but they shouldn't be where they are in the table. Yeah, I, I can remember thinking I liked their offseason moves, but I thought they were still really, really poor at striker, um, even with uh, Ole Kamara in there. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jason, what do you have upcoming? Uh, overreaction Monday in the morning, starting at 9 o'clock. Uh, you can watch on twitch.tv slash soccer down here. You can listen on our Soccer Down Here app, which you can download for free for Android or iOS. You can also listen at SoccerDownHere.net. And then tomorrow night, we'll have soccer over there at 7 o'clock, where we got a lot of interesting games to talk about from around the world this weekend. Real Madrid and Barcelona both lose uh, before going into Champions League this weekend and then going into an El Clasico next weekend. So it's kind of a weird time in Spain. Uh, Virgil van Dyke's injury and that whole situation we got to talk about. And then all the Champions League and Copa Libertadores. It's the final match day of the group stage of Copa Libertadores this week. And we'll be getting into all of that as well. Tons of stuff to talk about. I will probably need some tea tomorrow evening. <laughs> Liverpool got just totally hosed by the referees and it's uh, Derby against Everton, I must say. And I feel bad for Joe Patrick and the Spurs fans after what happened today with West Ham rallying with three goals in what the final nine minutes uh, to steal a point 
from in that game. That was just bizarre. And congrats to Chris Winkler and Aston Villa, who looked like a totally different team from last season. Uh, they're going to make it interesting this year. Who are the two teams that are perfect in Europe right now? Fulham and AC Milan. No. Yeah. Fulham is not perfect. I'm sorry, not Fulham. Aston Villa and AC Milan. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, for some reason, <laughs> I was, was going to mention Fulham missing the penalty kick. Uh, Aston Villa and AC Milan. Yeah, those are the two. Uh, which is just crazy. So Tony Miola must be very, very happy. Uh, yeah. As is Chris Winkler and, and former Atlanta United goalkeeper. Aaron Hyde, who's a big Aston Villa. Ah, there you go. Uh, for those who did not know that. Um, and I'll have coming up tomorrow something about the team's offensive struggles and how theoretically Ezekiel Barco and Marcelino Moreno could help solve them. I have to say theoretically because we have no statistical evidence from which to draw uh, because this was their first game playing together. Uh, and Barco has never been consistent with Atlanta United uh, over the course of five to six games. So it's just kind of grasping at straws to try to find something positive out of the season so far. But as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. The Braves are losing 4-3 to three to the Dodgers in the top of the eighth. Every time I look up, it seems like the Dodgers are perfectly placed for whatever Lane United is try- or whatever Atlanta Braves are trying to do on offense, and the Dodgers are just teeing off on the Atlanta Braves pitchers. Um, so you combine that with the Georgia Bulldogs just getting run out of Tuscaloosa last night, Georgia Tech getting absolutely caked. Uh, by Clemson in a game that I, I still can't believe that result, how easy they made it look. It just has not been so far a great sports weekend. Congrats to the Falcons, Raheem Morris. They got a win against a, a bad Vikings team, but a win is a win. You can only play who's in front of you. Um, Georgia State lost on Thursday. Uh, was there any positives from this weekend, Jason? No, except for the Falcons. Thanks for reminding me, Doug. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's just it's this is what uh, growing up with sports in Atlanta is like. This is so I shared this on Twitter. My mom has probably watched most of the Braves games other than the West Coast games for the past thirty something years. Uh ever since I think eighty seven or eighty eight. She's the type of supporter that would always say we about the Braves and I'd always say, Do you play for the Braves? And she would say no and I would say, Well, why do you say we? Uh that kind of stuff because that would drive me crazy, being a objective journalist. Um, so it would be nice to see the Braves win tonight because it would make her happy. Uh, but it doesn't look great right now, but anyway, hopefully you'll listen to this in the morning and see the Braves have won and a rainbow will be over your head for the rest of the day. All right, guys, go out and vote, follow the news, subscribe to your local newspaper because there are some goofy things going on. Uh, with papers all around the country if you read the New York Times story today. Um, And please wear your masks and be safe. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. 
Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.